welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Thank you very much. Too kind. Very kind. I'll quickly set the timer. Your footsteps. We'll make sure that's there. What an absolute privilege and honour uh, to minister, to read God's word first and foremost. Where would we be without it? Uh, I, I, I love what Pastor Matt said because the word and the spirit go hand in hand. And you cannot have one without the other. Well, you can, but it just won't. Work. Can I have the just a little bit lower? Is that all right? Thank you. I'm not very IT savvy, so I don't know what words to use, right? But just thank you. There, that's great. That's great. And uh, and I'm really excited to preach. I think I think in God's timing, God knows exactly when words are required. And uh, funny enough, I was scheduled to preach two weeks ago, and God decided instead to move through a tithing message over two weekends, and that's great. And I really believe spiritually that the word that God gave me in July that I'll preach today would be more significant today than it was two weeks ago, especially with the state of the world that we're in right now, right? And so I really pray that we have an open heart, an open mind. Uh, I want us to see God's word for what it is, right? I also want you to take what is being preached today and taught And don't take it as the final word. I want you to go and work on that. I want you to read it. I want you to hear what God is saying to you. And if I'm wrong about anything, email Matt. Don't email me. Talk to Matt. He's the one that asked. Now, young adults are taking over this morning, by the way, it looks like. Zari, Isaac, myself. Just for today. Just for today. I got a stern look from Pastor Matt as I said that. I've got to be controversial because my message might be a little bit controversial. I'd ask for permission, but God already gave it, so I apologise. Let's, uh, I just want to take a moment and just pray, especially again, as I said, and you'll see exactly what I mean by the significance of of the Word that God has given. But Father, we thank You once again. We thank You again that we can trust and rely on Your faithfulness, that we can rely on Your strength, we can rely on Your Spirit, We can rely on Your Word as the bedrock and the foundation of our lives. God, I thank You that Your Word is such a strong foundation. There is no crack, there is no weakness. Father, we need Your Word today more than we need it, have never needed it ever before. God, I pray right now that as we come around the Word that You want to speak to us today, Father, let it be Your words and not man's. Let us hear what You want to say, Holy Spirit. Open up our hearts, open up our minds. Father, we see the world and for what it is today, God, we pray and we need You now. The world needs You now. Our city needs You. 
our schools need You. Our workplaces, our businesses, our corporations need You. God knows our government needs You. And the Middle East needs You right now. Eastern Europe needs You right now. God, we don't wanna move until You move. We don't wanna speak unless You speak. And Father, we need Your blood now more than ever before. God, we thank You that Your blood is still powerful. It has not lost its power. It has not lost its significance. We thank You, Jesus, for what You did on that cross, that it covers and it cleanses, it strengthens and it protects. God, I thank You for Your blood. I also thank You for the anointing oil. God, we need Your oil now more than ever before. God, would You drench us in Your oil? God, would You anoint us once again? Would You give us the strength? Would You give us the wisdom? Would You give us the knowledge of what it means to be a Christian today, a follower of Jesus today? And God, we also need Your Spirit. We need the wine of heaven. God, we need You more today than we did yesterday. And so Father, as we come around Your Word, I pray that You would speak, move. Speak to me first before You speak to anybody else. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Now, last time I spoke a number of months ago, I, I heard through the grapevine that I was known as the guy that links the Old Testament to the New Testament. And so I thought, I won't do that this time. I really tried, but we're gonna do it again. Put your finger in John 4. We'll go to John 4 and we've got a few slides. We'll go to, uh, while, we're, while you're getting John 4 ready, we will read 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 17, a few verses from this chapter. We won't read the, the whole section of Scripture that we wanna look at today. And then we will head to John 4. We'll read verse 5, 6, 24, and 33 in 2 Kings 17. Now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Hala by the Habor, the river of Gazan, and in the cities of the Medes. Then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Cuthar, Ava, Hamath, and from Zephavang and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. However, every nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines on the high places, which the Samaritans had made every nation in the cities where they dwelt. They feared the Lord yet served their own gods according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. Disclaimer, I am not here to make any political statements. Let me just clarify that. But I believe there is significance in what God wants to speak to us today about. In order to understand where, how we got to this point and the significance of the location of Samaria, when, we'll see when we go to John 4 what I'm talking about, right? But we need to understand historical context, political context. We need to know what was happening prior at this point and then after. So if we go to the next slide, we have a little bit of notes surrounding history in Samaria, specifically Shechem, which is the main city of Samaria, and Sychar, which we will notice in John 4. In Genesis 12 verse 7, Abram was promised this land, the land of Shechem, to his offspring. 
Eleven chapters later, approximately 200 years, Jacob, Abram's Abram's grandson, camped near the city. That's Genesis 33. And then Jacob purchased land near Shechem. Jacob's well was built. Jacob's son decided whilst in Shechem to sell Joseph into slavery in Genesis 37. The brothers of Joseph were in this city when this happened. Approximately 400 years later, Israelites were taken out of Egypt and into the wilderness for 40 years. Moses declared once they entered the promised land, they were to erect an altar at Mount Ebal in Deuteronomy 27.4, chapters 12 to 13. In Genesis 50, Joseph died. He is buried in Shechem. Noticed in Genesis 50 and Joshua 24. Gideon's son, Abimelech, with the help of the Shechemites, killed 70 of his brothers in this city in Judges 8. In 724 BC, the Assyrian invasion of Samaria occurred, which we just read. Shechem, Samaria became the center of idolatrous worship practices. Following generations would be called Samaritans, the people of cult worship. Again, let me clarify, I'm not making any political statements here, but there is a significance in what I believe God is trying to tell us. Now let's go to John 4. Verse one. And we'll read a little bit of scripture and it's up there. So follow along. I'll read it from from here. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptised more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptise but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, Jesus, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke, correct? The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship 
we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. And at this point, His disciples came and they marveled that He talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? One thing I love about this scripture in John 4, and by the way, this is where I started and I ended in 2 Kings, right? And it's very important when we read scripture to understand context. It is very important to understand historical context, political context, cultural context, and religious context. There's so much for us to understand. What we sometimes see when we read words in scripture is just what's written. And unless we ask the Spirit, God, where is, what is happening in this time? Where are you taking me when I read this? Remember, this Scripture was not written for you. Oh, sorry, it wasn't written to you. It was written for us, but it wasn't written directly to us. It was all written to a completely different set of people. And so we need to understand how to apply it into our lives. One thing I love about this Scripture is that Jesus should never have been there. Culturally, historically, politically, and religiously. Jesus was never meant to be by the well, by by Himself, speaking to a woman, let alone a Samaritan, especially a woman at that time who was married five times and living with number six. He was in the wrong place, religious people would say. He was speaking to the wrong crowd. Could He have potentially opened Himself up to be exposed to something that He shouldn't have been exposed to. We read in that last verse that His disciples came to Him and they marveled that He was speaking to a woman. No disrespect, we completely believe, right? This is the culture of the time that we need to understand that for a man who is single, let's remember Jesus was not married. He was a single 30 year old man speaking with a woman on His own, culturally unacceptable. Politically unacceptable, Jews and Samaritans had absolutely no dealings with each other whatsoever. Jesus obviously, and the Samaritan woman obviously knows the historical context of what has happened that we just read from the moment it was invaded in 724 BC until then, idolatrous worship was just the prominent thing of the time. This is exactly what they did. They brought all these other gods and added Yahweh. That's all they did. It was a mixture, it was a cocktail of worship, a cocktail of gods, a cocktail of reigning, a cocktail of dominion. No one knew what was going on. The best thing I love about this is that Jesus did not declare that He was the Messiah in the synagogue. He didn't declare it at the temple. He wasn't doing it with religious leaders. Jesus found the most inappropriate context. Well, what we think is inappropriate. He found the most controversial location to the most controversial person in that time. An unmarried woman who'd been married five times. This had brought shame to her family. Her family name was completely smudged off. She was at the well at noon in the heat of the day because she could not bear to be seen by other women because she knows what she has done. Culturally unacceptable, politically incorrect, Religiously, Jesus shouldn't have been there. 
And yet we see time and time again through Scripture from here right up and through to Jesus' death, we see Jesus finding Himself in places that people say He shouldn't have been in. Speaking to people that He shouldn't have been speaking to. For goodness sake, He touched lepers. People that were completely outcast from society. You are not welcome here anymore. You need to stand outside. You need to live your life away from here. And Jesus breaks all of those boundaries. Jesus controversially breaks all of these cultural barriers and He reveals that He is the Messiah to a Samaritan woman. Where am I trying to get with this? I couldn't shake off the location a few weeks ago. I just couldn't get the location out of my mind. Why Jacob's well? Why Samaria? Why couldn't it have been done anywhere else? Give me an answer. I found the answer two days ago. Samaria, when it was initially settled and at one point was the capital of Israel. The reason why Assyria came and invaded at that time was because Samaria was an extensive, uh, an area that, that pro, uh, had extensive production of oil and wine. Oil and wine. Its location was perfect in between two mountains. We've got Mount Gerizim and we've got Mount Ebal. And we see that it is a perfect place for military. It's a perfect place for people to dwell. The climate was fantastic. The location is very, very significant. Most importantly, because of its extensive production of oil and wine. And God knows in today's day and age, we need His oil and we need His wine more than ever before, where I'm not here to provide answers. I'm not here to say this is exactly what needs to be done. It is beyond me. What is happening in this location right now? Samaria is in the northern part of the West Bank today, in the most controversial piece of land that we will find on this whole earth. And Jesus, knowing what's coming, knowing what's happened, knows her life, knows her location, spiritually, emotionally, physically, psychologically. He understands this. And what He does is He decides intentionally, it says in verse three, four, He needed to go through Samaria. Intentional. Intentional on who He's reaching. Intentional on who He's speaking to not worried about what people are going to say. Now, what does that mean for us today? I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but the church corporately and individually, we've lost our significance outside of these walls. We've completely lost our significance. We've lost how relatable we can be to the world. I'm not saying to become like the world, far from it. We are in the world, not of it. We are ambassadors of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. We are followers of Christ and Christ's kingdom. Yet we are still in this world. And if our significance as individuals and as a corporate 
gathering of people, if our significance is only found in the walls of this building or any building for that matter, the building doesn't really matter. If our significance is here and here alone, we've missed the point. We have completely missed the boat. Noah's ark is gone. We have missed it. I am very big, uh, especially over the past few years of seeing what God has done through my life. I am very big and very focused in on trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to be putting myself in any promiscuous situations, but what I'm saying is I pray every week, every day, God, which barrier are we breaking today? Which context are we going into? Christian discipleship, Christian discipleship, Christian to Christian, spiritual leader to Christian person. We bring that person into our world. Let me show you the things of God. Let me show you what God is speaking. And I'm wholeheartedly for that. But when we are trying to disciple the world, you've got to get into their world. If we think that by bringing them into a service, that's going to provide them the answers they need. Again, we've missed the mark. We've lost the boat. We we, we are delusional. We are completely delusional if that's what we think. I've got a friend of mine. I won't mention names for privacy. Non-believer. Grew up with this guy, we played tennis together. Families were quite close. I hadn't seen him in a very long time. Became a bodybuilder, like quite literally a bodybuilder, right? One day I was in the gym. I do go to the gym, I promise. Just don't look. Right, I try. I was in the gym, 6 a.m., working out, doing whatever. And I noticed this real big guy, just like walking in between workouts, like doing this crazy workout, going from one machine to the other. And I'm like, I know this guy. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him in about seven or eight years. And I, I lock eyes with him. I'm, I'm so awkward because I'm like mid-workout, right? I'm like mid-exercise. And I'm like, I lock eyes with him. He looks at me. And he's like trying to figure out if I'm the person that he's remembering as well. He finishes his workout. He comes straight to me. And we hug in the middle of the gym. Can you believe it? All this testosterone, the two guys are just hugging, right? In the middle of the gym. And, and I look at him and I say, oh my goodness, how are you? And he looks at me and he says, I don't know. I don't know how I am. I said, what are you, what are you training in the morning? He said, yeah. I said, great. How about tomorrow morning? We train together. He said, I'd love that. I said, great. Someone's going to make sure I'm in shape. I went home, I went to my mum and my brother and I said, guess who I saw in the gym this morning? Just guess. They were throwing out names all wrong. Told them who it was. Oh my goodness. I said, he looks incredible, he looks fantastic, but there's something wrong. I go to the gym the next morning, excited. I've never been early to the gym at 6 a.m., right? I've always just scraped in. I was early that day, right? I walk in and he's there. I did not get a word in the whole hour. He is word vomiting his life over the past seven years onto me, right? 
this happened and this happened and this is where I'm at and this is where my mind is and this is what's going on in my life and I'm broken and I've just lost my home and I've just lost my, ma- uh, my, my relationship and I've just lost my job and I don't know where to go and He is just, just talking, doesn't stop. Now, the way that He talks, if I brought Him in here, wouldn't be acceptable, right? I'm so comfortable in that position. I am so comfortable in that position. And I pray that you are too. Because we are not needed here. God will raise up another minister. God will do it. Because God will take care of His house. I am not called to build the house of God. Pastor Matt is not called to build the house of God. God will build His house. We are just ministers. We are here just serving. God will do it. Don't worry about that. This will be taken care of by God Himself, the originator of the church. When I finally did get a word in, I think it was three days in, I said to him, so so where are you going from here? Psychologically, where are you going from here? Emotionally, where are you going from here? Spiritually, I said, do you believe in God? He goes, do not ever talk to me about God. Whatever you do, don't do it. I said, okay, that's fine. I got even more comfortable. Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. Because the worse it is, the better the testimony, right? The worse it is, the more God can move. The less reliance it is on me in my flesh to do what I need to do or think that I need to do, like I'm some form of former of salvation. It's not me. I couldn't do it. Over the years, it's been two years now, right? I haven't changed, he has. He doesn't realise the effect he's had on me. And when I tell him, I say, mate, I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you were in my life. And we will have hour long conversations on the phone. We will talk in the gym. He's calmed down. He's open. He said to me the other day, he said, I, he goes, I, I've given up on psychologists. I've given up on counsellors, right? I've given up on all of it. I'm coming to you, just an FYI. I said, great. Where do I send the invoice, right? He, he, he said, he said, because although I don't believe in what you believe in, right? this is what he said. The principles that you talk about, I love it. Just please, this is two years later. He said, please don't mention God. Don't mention the name of Jesus. Don't do any of that. The moment you bring God up, the moment you bring Jesus up, my walls go up. I said, can I ask you why? I want to ask you why. I said, do you come from a Christian or Catholic belief? He says, yes. I said, so why? He said, because when my father left, I have never been able to see a position of authority in its right place. And I cannot fathom a life where I have to believe in a God and He has to tell me how to live. Unfortunately, we live in a society where church has become a behavioural management program. And He is so against, He did say, He said, I'll come to church. I said, don't. Don't. He said, I'll come to learn the principles of what you guys are saying and I'll just 
remove the name of Jesus or whatever you guys talk about Christianity was. And I said to him, you know what, don't come. Controversially, I said, don't come. He said, why? I said, because the last thing I want is for you to image or portray Christianity in a two hour service on a Sunday. That's the last thing I need you to do. My aim, I said to him, is for whatever it's worth, let me use my Christian jargon just for a minute here. He said, all right, I'll give you permission. I said, my aim is for you to see Jesus for who He really is outside of a church context, for me to come to you spirit-filled, filled with God's anointing, right? I didn't go that far with the words that I said to him. I said, it is important for me to come to you as a friend and a brother and to show you Jesus in a way that you have not understood that is my aim. That's my mission here in this friendship. Then if you wanna to come to church, I'll let you come to church. He said, all right, I'm good with that. Where, where am I trying to go with this? We've read scripture. I've just given you a story about my mate. I was on the phone to him the other day and we were, uh, as I was working, it was in the evening, I was working and he called me and I always answer his calls. He's, one of, he's the one guy I always answer his calls. And we're on the phone for an hour while I was working. And he's talking to me, he's saying, oh, he goes, I don't know what to do from here. I'm having issues with my family. I, I need to move out. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to figure this out. He's crying on the phone. This big bulky man is just crying on the phone, doesn't know what to do, doesn't know his next response, next step, right? I said to him, he mentioned on the phone the other night last week, I'm trying to navigate all of this and I'm trying to figure out if it's worth pursuing. I said, what do you mean worth pursuing? He said, my life. I don't know if it's worth continuing on. No. He said, but I just wanna remind you. He said, when I saw you two years ago in the gym, you don't understand how much of an answer you were. Because I was at the point of ending it all. I was. He said, I'd had numerous thoughts, I'd even planned it out. Now I said to him, I said, yo man, don't put that on me. Right? God knows what you need. Whatever you believe in. I said, the universe, no problem. The universe knows what you need. Right? And I believe from a perspective of faith that God is bringing you the answers that you need. He, is he doesn't even believe in the family unit, completely against the family unit, believes it's, a, it's an organisation created by government and corporations just to profit money, right? And just build, this is what he believes, right? You cannot get someone the complete opposite to me, right? I said, God, give me some space, like give me some grace. Like let there be just a little bit, a little bit of movement. The transformation that I have seen in him, from two years ago until now, cannot describe. Even though he was having that conversation with me just last week, I reminded him, I said, mate, you have so much to live for. Remind me again what you believe your purpose is. He said, my purpose is to help people. I said, you can't do that if you're not here. He said to me the other week, a, a friend of mine from, a colleague of mine from work uh, said to me that he needed to go buy a new guitar because he's on the worship or music on the music band at his church. So I gave him my thousand dollar fender. I said, and you're trying to tell me that you have nothing worth living for. 
that you. He said to me, because he mentioned church, I gave it to him. I said, you've changed, man. You're not the same guy that I know. He goes, I know and I hate it. I said, I love it, right? Cannot get a man living his life with a woman outside of marriage. Prior to this, in and out of relationships on a daily basis. Literally cannot get more against my lifestyle, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, God, I need to have some form of significance in this world. I'm not to be of it, but I need to show that I am reliable here. I need to show that I'm coming with answers. Now, politically, we live in a very interesting world right now. And I'm not here to make comments. I'm not here to provide answers. That is not for me to say today. What I am trying to say is this. In our business world, in our education system, in our government, we need spirit-filled Christians. We need spirit-filled believers of Christ that are making decisions. And what we've done is we've simply sometimes just put those people and those institutions away and said, we as the church live here and this happens here. And it's almost like we've been afraid to actually take on some responsibility in the world. My heart is that I encourage and inspire people to have significance in the world. This, as I said, will be taken care of. Something specific about Samaria was the spiritual climate wasn't great. God has a deep interest in the political and influential climate of our city, Melbourne, and the world. Jacob's well, it is significant in the three major monotheistic religions in the world, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. God has a deep interest in the cultural climate of our world. The Samaritan woman, socially excluded, an outcast. God has a deep interest in the outcasts of our society. The socially excluded, the lepers, the so-called Samaritans. If that is God's heart, I pray that's our heart too. That we need to have answers. If we read this scripture, Jesus does not come to her with a romanticized gospel that the Western church does these days. Jesus loves you. Yeah, we know he does. If I said that to my mate, he'll give me a very, very wrong response. And I will not, I've, I, I asked him what he would think of that and he gave me a very inappropriate response. Why would Jesus love me? He's a man, I'm a man. A romanticised gospel was not going to bring the Samaritan woman to salvation. It's just simple, right? He came to her with answers. She's asking, why are you talking to me? He comes with a response. They start speaking about the well. Jesus comes with a response. They start talking about worship and the mountain. I mean, if we really want, we could do an exegesis on why Jesus responds with 
so when he says you worship what you do not know, we, we worship what we do know. The Father is seeking people to worship in spirit and truth. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Why does He repeat Himself? Why does He repeat Himself? He's trying to remind her, you know, you know what God did when He created Adam in the garden. God, the, Bible, the Bible repeats itself in the image of God, He created man. Man was made in the image of God. It was a repetition. There's significance in all of this. You could take anything out of here. And I, and I ask that you go and take this and take Second Kings and understand the context and go and read and learn. But I believe my mission today is to bring a zoomed out perspective of how inappropriate and controversial this was. And to give you permission to go into the world, not of it. If you find you're getting influenced by the world, you have 100% responsibility to pull back into the presence of God. Remove yourself from that location. God, I need you to fill me again. God, I need you to strengthen me again. God, I need you to speak to me again. But don't stay there, go back. Wherever it is that God is calling you to, whatever it is that God has you in, you have a responsibility as a follower of Christ. The truth is, is Western Christianity has caused two things to occur. Convenience has become king and comfort has become an idol. That's what's happened in Western Christianity. And we live in a very safe, simple lifestyle, right? Thank God for the blessing that we have of living in a country that is not at war, that there is no fight over land to the extent that is happening around the world. You're talking, listening from a Middle Eastern man here, right? What I'm trying to say is this, we cannot let the comfort and convenience of our Christianity here in this country, in this society, in this culture, to determine the way that we are with people in the world. We need to be desperate to reach these people and to have influence. As we come to a close, I wanna take an opportunity to, 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 to just be with God again and use the construct of what we have now as a Sunday service, as a corporate gathering, to reach out to God for our city, for our communities for what's happening in the world. If the church stops praying, the church stops breathing. And if we stop praying, good luck to any significance that we have outside of these walls. It was known as a place of extensive production for oil and wine. The next slide, Jesus prays in John 17 and He says, I do not pray that you, Father, should take them, the disciples, out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. This was Jesus' prayer before He was crucified that you would send them into the world the way that I have been sent into the world. Last week at Jesus' night, there were two prophetic words that 
were not for me. Pretty upset. They were for other people. And one was for such a time as this. And one was culturally, stepping out into the world, reaching barriers. That hasn't left my mind, even though it wasn't directed at me. If this is not the time for us to stand up, I don't know when is. If this is not the time for us to plead the blood of Jesus, as Isaac was saying, I don't know when is. If this is, the t- if this is not the time of asking God for more anointing oil, for more of His Spirit, when is? When is? So let's stand to our feet. If the worship team wanna come up, I, I just wanna take an opportunity and give, give you a chance to, whatever it is that God has spoken to you about during this service, for you to respond to what, what God is leading you into. Maybe God is highlighting certain places that He wants you to have influence in. Maybe God is telling you uh, about a certain person. Just the other day, I prayed a few weeks ago and I said, God, so who else? Who else are you bringing into my world? And I went and got asked to go to a work networking event and I thought, I don't really wanna go, but I went. And I went there and I saw a young man that I hadn't seen five or 10 years. And his father was a pastor. His late father was a pastor in the Arabic community. And he was the first pastor to give my brother and I a chance to preach. And when his father passed away, he went off the rails. And I saw him and I said, God, if there was a reason that I'm here, it's not for business. And I'm meeting with him for coffee on Tuesday. Because there are people in this world that need the answers that our spirit-filled Christians hold. And unless we come back to God and say, God, fill me with your oil again. God, fill me with your spirit again. Father, we need more. Unless we do that, we are a lifeless, non-breathing community. We are a lifeless, non-breathing church if we are not praying this prayer. And so as we, as we begin to worship, just let God speak to you about what it is that He wants you to break. Which barriers is He calling you into? Which context that seems inappropriate and controversial is God bringing you to that you might have influence? In my mind, in my spirit, I see, I see Christians being the pillars of each institution and industry that we are in. We need Christians in the education system that are going to be a pillar for the education system of this country. We need Christians in government that will hold responsibility and know God's Word and take ground for the Kingdom. We need people in business. We need people in finance. We need people that are business owners. We need people that are filled with the Spirit, filled and covered with the oil of God. God, would we never lose sight of what You did, Jesus. On Your way to Galilee, You needed to go through Samaria. On Your way to Your next destination, You found the outcast. On Your way to whatever it is, church, that God has You heading towards, don't lose sight of the significance of who You need to deal with. Father, we need Your oil now more than ever before. Would You drench us? Would You saturate us with Your oil? God, we need Your Spirit. God, we need You now more than ever before. And God, let us be relevant outside of these walls. Let us be significant outside of these walls, God. Let us not sit in our comfort and convenience. We repent if we have. 
And we ask that we would move towards where You are calling us, God. As Your Word, as our guide, Your Spirit as our lead. Father, we need You now more than ever before. God, only You hold the answers to what's happening in our world. Only You know what's right. Father, we pray for peace. God, we pray for for no more bloodshed. God, we pray for Your answer, for Your Spirit, for Your peace to cover this world. God, would You use us?